China, the new global superpower. The country that we all want to know about today. But the key to China is its history. And what a story. It's a tale of triumphs and tragedies, of incredible invention and creativity. It's the story of China. From WNET in New York, hi, I'm Tom Stewart, and welcome to WNET Up Next, where we take you behind the scenes for a look at what's happening in the world of public media. You just heard the voice of Michael Wood, whose epic six-hour documentary series, The Story of China, is now airing as a key part of PBS's Summer of Adventure programming. Here at WNET Up Next, we thought it would be interesting to bring you a local take on China and Chinese Americans. And to help us out, we're delighted to welcome Yu Ma, who is the Director of Collections and Research at the Museum of Chinese in America, located here in New York City. Welcome to WNET Up Next. Thank you. Thomas. Thanks so much for being here. Now, first, I, I just would like to get right to MOCA. Now, that stands for, I believe, Museum of Chinese in America. And uh, what is the museum, and how did it come about? Uh, MOGA's full name, yes, is the Museum of Chinese in America. It was founded by two uh, young professionals when they met at an uh, um, Asian-American workshop called a Basement Workshop. Mm -hmm. uh, when they met, they realized that the history of Chinese in America will be lost when the residents in Chinatown, they notice that they are getting older. Oh, that's 1980. So they start a project called a Chinese Historical Project in Chinatown to interview the older people and also collect historical materials from that time. Mm -hmm. And after four years, the first exhibition is called Eight Pounds Livelihood. It's from their first oral history project talk about the story of Chinese laundrymen in America. The concept is the weight of the iron. Yes, it's that, eight that, pounds delivery. Eight pounds, right. and that and so that was a very successful exhibition and uh, uh, toured all over the country. I believe. Yes, it's traveled, and then the project continued to do our history and also collect uh, the first-hand materials, especially from the business in Chinatown and also the bachelor apartment. That was a result from Chinese Exclusion Act. Um, bachelors means they left family, women, and the children in China, and they don't have children left after they pass away. So the museum salvaged a lot of archival materials from the apartment they left in Chinatown. And, and what period of time were those uh, immigrants uh, coming over? A lot of people come uh, in the end of 19th century, mm -hmm. uh, like 1860s uh, to uh, 1900. But a lot of people also come uh, during like 1930-something. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it ranged. I think that the next wave um, after uh, the appeal, after the Chinese Exclusion Act, yeah. Was that difficult at that time for someone to come from China to the United States because of this exclusion act? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's why uh, the specialists left the family back in China mm -hmm. and they just uh, live here uh, alone. So that come up with the conception of bachelor apartment in Chinatown. And, and they would earn money here and send money back to? Yeah, to definitely. Their, to, to uh, we support have, their family. 
Yes, we have uh, family letters uh, in our archives showing um, their communication with the family back in China. Um, yeah, sent many back to China too. So really this museum started in a very local way from the stories of Chinatown, but that has expanded in a national way. Yes. So in 1992, uh, the project changed the name to Chinatown Historical uh, Museum. And then a few years later, we uh, kind of collect uh, materials not only in New York Chinatown, but also all over the country and even uh, in South America. So we changed our name to Museum of Chinese in the Americas Mm -hmm. for a few years. And uh, when we expanded our location to 215 Center Street, and we realized we should, you know, revisit our scope and content, and we changed our name to the current name, Museum of Chinese in America, and focus on the Chinese American history in the United States. And I haven't been there yet, but I understand this is a very beautiful building with a very famous architect. Can you tell me about her? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's designed by Maya Lin. Uh, I think a lot of people know her because she uh, designed the, the Washington Women Wall uh, Memorial in Washington, D.C. And actually that was her uh, graduation project uh, from Yale University when she was like around 20s. So the museum has really developed then in, in a very large way. I read that the founders were originally called it a dialogic museum. Right. That it was meant to stimulate dialogue among people. Can you tell me more about what that means, that concept? Yeah, I think our museum mission is really preserve and present the history of Chinese and Chinese descent uh, live in America. So we encourage not only Chinese people, but also people from all backgrounds to learn Chinese uh, American history. Uh, it's like our core exhibition. We call um, the Chinese people in America involved in making of history of America. So it's really an education institute to show the the history of Chinese in America to all people from different backgrounds. That's wonderful. Now, you have a very specific role there as the uh, director of collections and research. And how does that work? How do you actually get material for the museum? Oh, yes. Like what I mentioned earlier, we salvaged a lot of materials at the beginning uh, of the museum in 1980s. I read somewhere that uh, one of the founders went into dumpsters to find things. Yeah, but they were really unique materials. For example, the Chinese American Times is a Chinese newspaper, but written in English. Um, I got requests from University of California they told me that they couldn't find any other copies from others. So we are the one uh, who keep these newspapers in, like the only one keep the copies in the country. That's wonderful. Yeah. So after then, uh, we start to do a lot of exhibitions. Uh, people start to know what our mission is. And then uh, people in community, they come to us uh, to donate their family materials and business materials. So we start 
to collect materials that way. I think the main goal is uh, not only keep them, but also make them accessible. But what we need to do is open our door to researchers. There are a lot of scholars, professors, students, filmmakers. Um, they came to our research center to do research. We also um, digitally catalog them and put them online. Uh, so within the 65,000 objects, we already put 20,000 online. So people from all over the world can access uh, our collection objects uh, from the internet. I want to ask you about, there's a specific exhibition I think that you were involved with. It's called Waves of Identity. And this is like 35 years of archival material. What kind of material is in that exhibition particularly? Yeah, that exhibition is specifically uh, developed based on what we have in our collection. Uh, so our curator, actually our collection department, work very close with our exhibition department. We developed this uh, special exhibition based on our collection. At the same time, I think the New York Historical Society also did a huge exhibition on Chinese American. So we are really open this exhibition at the same time to tell story based on our collection in very details about Chinese in America. The exhibition compiles different sections, for example, with questions. So this is the idea from our curator. Mm -hmm. I really like this idea, for example, like who found Moga as the first section, and then where Chinatown ends. So all this question, who is um, Fei Bi Chen and who is Shaq Chen? So all those questions lead the audience to think about the Chinese life mm. in America. And, and on the basis of, of individuals getting it down to individuals. Right. And yeah. So for example, who is Shaq Chen? That's a collection we collected from the uh, bachelor apartment. That's great. Right. And, and, you know, just to shift gears a little bit, you might remember that Michael Wood refers to China as the oldest nation on earth. Uh, and the series takes the viewer through thousands of years of Chinese history and tells the story of the many dynasties that have ruled China, as well as the cultural and spiritual history. And I know that you've had a chance to view some of the series. What are your thoughts about what you've seen in Michael Wood's story of China? Oh, yes. Uh, I got a chance to see um, the sixth episode of this um, documentary. What I'm impressed was the first, uh, I think it's um, from a foreigner, uh, you know, angle to see uh, the Chinese history. Mm -hmm. But he is a historian, definitely. So he covers almost all dynasty from the beginning to the current uh, Chinese history. Yes. And I'm really impressed by that. Absolutely. You know, of course, again, you mentioned he is British. Do you think a person of Chinese background would have told the story in a different way? Oh, actually, um, yeah, like I mentioned, I'm not a historian, but I, from my personal point, I really like to look at um, history story told by different background people. So, for example, he started this documentary from, you know, a flying dragon. Mm -hmm. So this makes me feel like, oh, this is by a foreign people. This, this, it kind of, like, it's good. The dragon, the Chinese people call ourselves dragon too. Okay. But it, it's really like, for me, it's like stereotype of Like a cliche, China cultural from, cliche. Right, yeah. right. But, but anyways, I like to see... Um, 
history uh, talk by different uh, angles. Mm-hmm. I think history always like researched by different people and after year and history will be adjusted, yeah. um, you know, like based on the research from all different background people and then uh, tell the, the true fact. I really like to see different angles. Yeah. yeah. And he also tells story uh, from like ancestry uh, legend to the historical fact. So in this way, I really uh, feel it's like really good way to show the history of China. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'm impressed is like he talk about the family history is important components of the state history. I think this way to show us a history story, I really think is a good way to uh, to do. You know, as you say, uh, the film talks a lot about uh, in China the importance of family and mm-hmm. family history. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to ask you a little about your personal story about mm-hmm. your family, your history, mm-hmm. uh, and how you came from China to mm-hmm. uh, to North America because you are a native Chinese. Yeah, actually, I was born in northeastern China. So I spent my student life in there mm-hmm. until I graduated from college. But my background is definitely uh, scientific, <laughs> more than art. Yes. Um, I was, uh, you know, majored in, in computer science at the time. And then I actually moved once from all the way from north to south um, from my hometown, Changchun to Shenzhen. It's a city very close to Hong Kong. And this, it, it was a very brand new city at the time when I came. So I spent like 13 years working over there in the city archives. But my work is mostly focused on uh, digital archives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's discussion in the film too about the various regions of China that have had power over time. You know, North was the center at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, south has become more of the center. Huge cities under different dynasties were the nerve center of the country. What's the primary difference of North and South today that you grew up in? Oh, yeah. South is more um, economic uh, and they're more... Uh, but but it, it, like like the big industry usually in north, but south is more like um, like trading business, mm. uh, financial business. These are more high tech in the right. south. Yeah, and yeah, after it developed, there are a lot of electronic industry uh, set up in south as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what led you from uh, having several degrees in Chinese education to leave China and come to North America? Actually, that's really like my personal interest. I'm someone like what I said to history, I'm really open to see different angles. So for myself too, I live in North um, before I graduate from school. Mm-hmm. I really want to see what it looked like in, in, in other place in our country. And there was a chance for the new city like hiring young people mm-hmm. come to build up the city. When I first came to Shenzhen, there was only one big street called Shenan Zhonglu, and all other, you know, streets and things, you know, uh, the buildings built later on. Uh, so it's really a good experience and to a big, see. A big change. Yeah, to see difference. But always change is always faster than, you know, than plan. Uh, and then we got a chance to uh, move to Canada. 
uh, so it's me. Like mm-hmm. I would like to see things different. I would like to experience. Uh, that's how we decided to move to Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and I know you studied there, and is it Ryerson University? Yeah, Ryerson. You, you, and that's when you started developing this uh, expertise in what you're doing now. Yeah, actually, uh, when I first moved to Canada, I really like I uh, just want to see um, the other side of the world. Yes. But I also think wherever you live, um, you you need to contribute something. You need mm. to you know do something there. That's why I decided to go back to school, and when I look for schools, I found out this interesting um, program. It was like first year enroll student for this program at Ryerson University and the George Eastman House called Photographic Preservation and Collections Management. So the experience in China working in our archives make me um, you know grow, is appropriate yeah, grow the yes. interest on collections management. So that's why I chose this program to learn. And, and was the opportunity at MoCA what brought you to the U.S.? Or did you come to U.S. Uh, independently of that? Yeah, as I mentioned, this is a joint program with George Eastman House in Rochester in New York. Mm-hmm. So I had to come to Rochester to learn my second year study. During the time when I graduate, I just try to find a job in mm-hmm. both Canada and America. And how long and have then, you been now at uh, at MoCA and here in New York? Oh, actually, it's 10 years. 10 years, <laughs> yeah. that's wonderful. I'd like to ask you a little bit more about the idea of family, though. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stressed so much. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that that's really part of your experience? Are you extremely close to your family and the respect of ancestors and, and the keeping together of that knowledge and that those traditions? Oh, yeah, definitely. In China, we were educated when we were very young. Like, the family heritage is always important. But you know the Qingming Festival is a big festival in China right now. And What happens there at that festival? Oh, yeah, so during the time, the whole... It, it, it's a holiday, so... Um, I'm not sure how many days um, off, but people are off from work, probably three days, mm-hmm. including weekend. So usually if they're close to home, they went back to home to swipe, you know, tomb for their ancestors. They memorize their family, you know, ancestors, and also family get together to memorize their family history. So that's still um, a very important part of your life, personally. Yes, the family is always, yeah, important. And do you get back to China? Have you been back to visit a bit? Oh, yes. Actually, I try to go back every year. Uh, China, we see it as such a huge country and such an increasingly important country in the world. How do you, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the role of what China, where China is today? Yeah, China actually developed really fast in recent 20, 30 years. I still remember when I first came to Shenzhen, like I mentioned, there was only one street there. But in 1992, uh, Deng Xiaoping visited Shenzhen to make it a special economic zone to develop first in the country. So the, the city developed very fast, and then other cities followed, the capital city and big city in the country followed. 
it's really like just a five, eight, ten years later. So the whole country, you can notice the huge developing mm. progress. Do you feel it's more westernized in a um, way? Definitely. So I feel like uh, the China is really like open to whatever is good uh, to the country. As we've been saying, there's so mm-hmm. much change in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking toward the future, mm-hmm. what do you see happening? More of this kind of uh, capitalization and, and westernization? Yeah, actually, I really uh, saw China developed from, you know, one city to the other, uh, capital city and then big city. And now I see the development goes to uh, the suburb. So I really want to see, you know, yeah, I, I actually like the conception in America a lot. The urban place and the suburb place can be like connected together mm-hmm. like smoothly. Mm-hmm. But, but I already noticed like China develop a suburb area as well recently. So I want to see the change like all over the country in every place. Yeah. And how do you see China's relationship with the United States happening going forward? Uh, friendly enemies, uh, friends, uh, allies. We've been enemies. We've been allies. Where, where do you see it going today? Yeah, more, I, more unity or, or less? I think currently, um, wherever people live, I think that the world becomes smaller mm. because of the development of technology. And like, for example, before we traveled from China to America, it will take you like half a year or a few months to get there. Now it's more informative mm-hmm. and, uh, and also people get a lot of information than before. So it's really more closer. I feel like the whole world is more it's closer, closer. Yeah. And, and people get more knowledge and more information from everywhere. So I feel like recently people just like how I judge um, a relations or something is really like how happiness you feel. Like I I can tell like people feel happiness with the more recent, you know, relations uh, between China and the U.S. People would like to learn from each other and, uh, you know, work together to make the world more peaceful and more happier. Yeah. What do you think are the most important things that we need to learn about China that I wouldn't necessarily know about? What, yeah. what do I need to learn? Actually, from the end of the episode, I already noticed that uh, this documentary already includes the modern China for recent years. That's something I really concerned because usually from the movies and the other articles or books, you can see China still like um, in the old. Mm-hmm. Because but, but I understand it's also because China really like developed in recent 20, 30 years. So it, it may be not covered uh, yet. But I would like to see a lot of more uh, your foreigners or Americans can see the current change in China and to get to know China, not just in the past. You know, I still feel like a lot of people's mind, China still in the old yeah. time period. When I was growing up, China was Red China. Right. It's called Red China, mm-hmm. communist country, right. Chairman Mao, mm-hmm. very frightening to think of China, but that world is over. Uh, it's something very different. Yeah, that's what I'm glad to see. Yeah. yeah. So 
I mentioned earlier that we call this a summer of adventure here on PBS. And I'd like to ask you, at the museum, are there any special activities going on this summer? Any special exhibits or activities that we should know about? Oh, yeah. Uh, we are actually preparing a new exhibition that will start from September. It's paper folding sculpture exhibition we call Fold. Fold. Uh, yeah. Those paper sculptures were made by uh, refugees from Fujian. There was a story in 1993. There is a boat uh, named Golden Venture. You probably heard about that. There are like over 200 undocumented people from China who came to America to seek for new life. Mm-hmm. But the boat got underground uh, near uh, New York. So during the time they were detained, I think the longest detention was about four years. So there were artists among the group of people. They teach each other to make paper sculptures. They were very beautiful paper sculptures made by magazines and paper mache uh, tell their story about their life, you know, moving from uh, China, how they want to come to America and then as appreciation for their relatives and people who helped them during the time they were detained. Sounds like a wonderful exhibition. Very, right. Very moving. So that's happening yes. Happening soon. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I got to have you explain the exact location of the museum. I know it's on Center Street. Mm-hmm. Tell me where. Oh, yes. Our museum opened a new space. We already mentioned the design by Maya Lin at 215 Center Street. 215 yeah, Center Yeah, in Chinatown. That's yeah, wonderful. it's on the border between Chinatown and Soho. Uh, but the museum's old location is my department called Collections and Research Center. We also open to the researchers. That's too. on Mulberry. Yeah, Mulberry. it's on 17 Mulberry, Mulberry Street, Street on the second mm-hmm. floor. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us, and we really look forward to visiting uh, MOCA, the Museum of Chinese in America. Thank you. Our guest today has been Yu Ma, Director of Collections and Research at the Museum of Chinese in America here in New York. Their web address is mocanyc.org. Michael Wood's six-hour documentary series, The Story of China, is now airing on PBS. And for more information, you can reach out to pbs.org, where you'll also be able to stream episodes of the show, as well as discover many additional interviews and videos about the program. Thanks for listening, and please join us again soon for another edition of WNET Up Next. We'd love you to share your questions and comments with us at upnext at wnet.org and hope you become a subscriber. WNET Up Next is a presentation of the Design and On-Air Promotion Department of WNET New York. I'm Tom Stewart.